Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Uh-oh, Somebody, somebody's in trouble. I wonder what's going to happen the day after you send the signal and the message. Doesn't matter the day after, Marco. No? Is yeah. it... <laughs> it's inevitable that you get sink. Are you in the middle of the ocean getting it's lost? My battleship doesn't matter. All right. Well, let's float to the bottom. End of the podcast. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, maybe you have you could have done something before that happened. So, you know, think about it. I think there's a lot to prepare for, certainly uh, to prevent it, but then also what comes after in terms of. Uh, recovery and response and uh, perhaps even attribution and uh, prosecution. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where the story goes. I mean, the, one of the folks joining us today has been on the show before, has written a book. She brings with her a co-author with a new book that has evidently Marco FBI and, and uh, other federal-like agencies involved in terms of... Uh, the first book that she wrote because... If you remember well, that is exactly when we met back in Singapore for RSA conference, and there was a live from the show floor. Yeah, a couple really? of years ago. So we wish we could say nice to see you again in person, but we're gonna have to postpone that. So, Shamane, how are you? Oh, I've been really, really good. So uh, I would say it's lovely to hear from you guys again. <laughs> Likewise, definitely take yes. <laughs> Yeah, so much has happened since then, but it was great memories uh, meeting you guys at the RSA conference at Marina Bay Sands. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, th that was really, we had good times, we had good times. We did. A lot of great people that we met, and as uh, people can tell, we carry the relationship, and uh, and then the friends bring the friends, and, uh, mm. and here we go. So who do you bring uh, with you today? Oh, I have with me Dan Lawman, very, very well-known name in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Dan, um, actually, we also go way back. <laughs> so <laughs> I first met story. Dan, yeah, um, early 2019 when I was writing the first book, so that Cyber Risk Leaders, and I was asking him if he could share a few of his perspectives. 
And then I never knew that that would like translate into him being our guest speaker later on for uh, my International Cyber Risk Meetup Gathering. And that happened during COVID. He was also meant to fly into Sydney, but COVID happened. So we had to do it virtual. And he became such a hot favorite um, for our crowd over here. And when I had the idea for the next book, I asked, hey, you know, if you wanted to write the next book with me and the rest is history. There you go. Then, yeah, would you like to say hi? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Shemaine. You're too kind, but uh, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, Dan Lorman, I'm, I'm a CISO uh, uh, with Presidio and um, just just really uh, excited to be uh, talking about the book today, Cyber May Day and the Day After, because uh, it's it's really been a journey with Shemaine writing this and, and hearing stories from all over the world around uh, cyber attacks and, and how people prepare for them respond and recover from them. I love it. So let's get into the, the catalyst for writing this. Was it, was it, uh, you both had so much in your own minds that you wanted to kind of pull something together or was it, you heard so many stories from, from uh, around the world that you wanted to mm. kind of collect them all or how did, how did this come to be? Like, I think both Dan and I, we have been meeting a lot of different, um, industry leaders in, in you know we have different people within our network that have really great stories and real life lessons to share that's really powerful right and, and at least for me i'll let dan um share his side of the story in a bit um but yeah for me is that i feel you know that the best lessons learned are when you're actually learning it from real life scenarios um and you, rather than learning it from your own mistakes, right? You rather learn it from the mistakes of others. So that's where, you know, we really want to empower people, business leaders from different industry sectors, you know, about what actually really happened when Cyber May Day strikes. You know, what are the best approaches of top leaders? What happens on the day after and how businesses can recover from this? So, um, you know, not every organizations or leaders can be really open about our failures or lesson learned, but that's the beauty of this book. So we found like, okay, we're going to put in as many true cyber stories as possible across different industry sectors and across the world. And, and um, that's how this um, idea was birthed. Dan, over to you. Yeah, this great, great, great summary there, Shemaine. I just would say, interestingly enough, we started this, you know, um, in more than a year ago, so really kind of August of 20, saying what's really hot. Of course, ransomware was hot. It was, um, I'm a blogger, I know Shemaine is as well. We write, both of us write a lot for um, different publications and things. And, and um, but, you know, before we had, you know, all the, the, the you know, the carnage, if you will, of 2021 and, and solar winds hit, of course, the Colonial Pipeline and and uh, JBS uh, meets and, and so many other, you know, um, incredible, you know, really kind of changed the, changed the conversation stories for, for many in the population. And so part of it, you know, really the audience of this is not just for security pros or technology pros. It's also, it certainly is for them and they can benefit from that. Um, I've already heard that from so many different leaders that, mm. who've read it and we have great, um, you know, reviews that we've gotten, but it, it also just business leaders, you know, in government, a lot of government stories, a lot of private sector stories, in the U.S. and all over the world, um, but really looking at it from a perspective of, um, you know, through the eyes of a, both a CEO and a, and a CFO, you know, the, kind of the CXO suite, if you will, 
Um, and then also the technology and security. There's some CISO stories and CIO stories. And, and, um, but really, it's, it, when, when we all know uh, that, and that we really want to spread that message that it's business risk we're talking about, right? So when, yes. when, when the business goes down, it's not just the technology going down. It's not just, um, okay, well, I can't you know, access my, you know, my email. Well, that's bad. It's really bad. But it's, it, you know, as we saw with Colonial Pipeline, it can bring down the entire business. It can cause disruption to the supply chain. It can actually cause significant societal, you know, um, disruptions. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun, fun stuff. Fun times for sure. <laughs> so, so what caught my attention and in, in the title or maybe the subtitle is that you said recovering from inevitable business disruptions. So we're going more and more in that side of the conversation where we all accept the fact that it's sad, but it's probably inevitable. And uh, on the other side, there is still maybe the marketing team that are telling you the unhackable story, which at this point, I don't know how many of us actually laugh when they hear that. And so tell me, maybe we can start with Dan, based on the conversation that you had, I mean, are we all there to the fact that recovery, I mean, you got to do what you can to avoid it, but there's so much you can do and you got to be ready to get back on your feet. You know, I think thoughtful people are there, uh, Marco. It's, it's, um, you know, DHS, I work with a lot of three-letter agencies in Washington and, and really a lot of governments around the world and especially in the U.S. Um, and the big word that you, we keep hearing is resilient, right? Resilient. And that, that, that in a lot of these stories is being able to bounce back. And we say that in a lot of sports, you know, you're going to lose games. Um, it's almost looking at, I use a lot of sports analogies, not so much in the book, but <laughs> I mean, I, I do think, you know, you're not going to win every game and, and, and it would be great. This isn't a game. Obviously this is your business. This is so important. But um, I think by and large, people realize that, you know, the attacks are happening each and every day. We're seeing that um, the supply chain can be, can be hit. It can be your partners. It can happen so many different ways. And the bad guys only have to be right once, bad actors. So, um, yeah, I mean, inevitable um, in that, you know, we know that you're going to be attacked tens, hundreds, thousands of times a day. And um, the question is, how prepared are you? Um, and this, we go through that in a lot of details. We'll probably walk through that in a few minutes. But, you know, from tabletop exercises to um, and not just like, you know, with full-scale exercises, you know, how, how do you really go about that? How do you think about it, both as a technology and security, but also as a company from a business perspective? Are you prepared? What if, you're, what if your communications aren't available? You know, what are the backup communications? All those kinds of decisions people need to think about in the same way you would think about fire, flood, tornado, natural disasters. You know, we, we've been thinking about that for, you know, hundreds of years in, around the world because we've had, you know, tornadoes and fires for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, cyber is, is new uh, in the last couple of decades. And now it's become, you know, a man-made way of, of, of really disrupting your business and your government. And so we have to be prepared. And I, all I hear is tomatoes and fire and I'm getting hungry. I'm like cooking tomatoes. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think you're right. We're, and Marco and I had, 
had uh, we did a live stream earlier and we were talking about natural disasters and, and how are those different in the tech technical world and they're, they're not always the impact isn't always different the means might be different and speaking of difference uh, Shemaine I want to go to you perhaps with a view for how things have changed since your first book and I know you you spoke with a lot of security leaders cyber risk leaders um, this one seems to, this book seems to be geared toward while practitioners can benefit uh, the executive leadership team and business leaders how has the business landscape changed the threat landscape changed the conversation changed to really help you shape this book for that audience Wow Sean that's a really good question <laughs> but um, yeah that's a good question um, I would say there's quite a few things that are different. So the first book, because it was more um, on cyber risk leaders, so it was featuring different CISOs insights um, across different industry, but it's more about to equip them to be better leaders in your organization. So the book has been really helpful for whether it's aspiring CISOs, you know, new CISOs, or even security professionals where they're looking to hit their career down their path. Um, and, and this is a, a tool, like a simple guide that actually brings together a collection of all the, the lessons learned or advice and even tips from, for example, like the world's first CISO, right? And what you've addressed something really interesting, Sean, because um, Steve Katz is the world's first CISO, took, taking up the first role, um, the CISO role in C City Corp back in 1979. And the things that he was talking about, business risk, you know, seeing like cybersecurity is not an IT problem, right? You have to uh, tailor the language and align it to the language of the organization and make sure that it's speaking to the understanding of what how they perceive risk. Now, all of this, um, he was saying those kind of messages many, many years ago, uh, 30 years ago, or is it um, 50 years ago? <laughs> and, and now we are seeing um, like it's the message is becoming more... Um, it's actually the same, but people are like different organizations are starting to realize that, you know, um, if CISOs are going to be speaking to their board, they can't be talking about controls. They can't be talking about all the technical things. They have to be focusing more on the um, on risk and how do they um, communicate that to the board. Um, but it's it's interesting to notice that it's actually the same message and it hasn't really changed Um in, in the last few decades. So that's a, yeah, that's an observation I wanted to highlight. But if you talk about the second book, Cyber May Day and the Day After, um, it has a very different tone and flavor because it's taking into account all the recent attacks. And obviously that has shifted the techniques of it, um, the way the attackers are going about their approach. Um, all of that have shifted over the years. Um, and it's about looking at it in a relevant context, in today's context, you know, um, businesses, yes, a lot of them, you know, it's inevitable. There will be disruptions that will be caused due to cyber attacks, but how can they actually recover from it? Um, how can they prepare for it? And it's getting, um, yeah, practical stories, practical approaches from, um, um, yeah, business leaders, not just CISOs, but business leaders. Um, and it's covering across different sectors and a lot of stories from US, Australia, Singapore, and around the world. So it's a really a different tone, a different flavor, and, and more of, um, yeah, a different sort of focus. 
Well, I like that, and I'm going to pass the ball to, to Dan, but I like the fact that you hmm. did that in the first book too, but you, you always have this uh, global vision. It's not just about you know one country because we're all in this together. There are no boundaries, and as mm. much as you want to try to put walls on the internet and firewalls, that, uh, I think we're learning that it I don't know, doesn't really work. So you talk <laughs> yeah. about a lot of examples and lesson learned, so of course we don't want you to give up the the book and the, who who is the who is the the guilty <laughs> in the mystery <laughs> here but any anything that really stand out for you that that you want to kind of tease the audience with yeah i mean I, i'll start just to add add on to what something shemaine just said and you know one of the things we do in the introduction and and kind of answer further sean's question we could tell you a couple stories from the book too is be happy to share some of those but one of the things that happened even earlier this year um, on 60 Minutes here in the U.S., which is obviously a pretty big show here in CBS, and um, Scott Pelley was interviewing Jerome Powell, who was just, by the way, just, um, just you know, I think, well, as we're taping this, um, this week uh, was uh, reconfirmed by President Biden as, as our uh, chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve for five more years. In this interview, he was asked, you know, what kind of um, scenarios are we looking at that could impact the Federal Reserve System and, and you know, what are his biggest um, risks that they're facing? And, and I'll read you one quote. This is from the introduction of the book, but all different kinds. I mean, there are scenarios in which large payment utilities, for example, break down and the payment systems can't work. Payments can't be completed. There are scenarios in which a large financial institution will lose the ability to track the payments. And it's making things like that, things that where you would have a part of the financial system come to a halt or perhaps even a broad part. And, and he said, so we spend much of our time and energy um, and money guarding against these things. The, there are cyber attacks every day on all of our major institutions now. So he was basically saying his number one fear in that interview with 60 Minutes was cyber. Um, in one sense, um, it, it's, it just, it just you know, elevates the serious nature of this. And there's just a whole series of quotes we have in the intro. We talk about a lot of other things in the intro as well, but you know, talking about Solar Winds and and you know, um, the Solar Winds CEO and FireEye Kevin Mandia CEO and and others in government, and also the Australian Prime Minister and others. But just the fact that this issue, um, to answer Sean's question, has been escalated, you know, to the top of the agenda. And, and it, it is not just, you know, a back office issue for technology or security teams anymore. This is a boardroom issue, as, as, as Shemaine mentioned, and it needs to be taken seriously. I think it is being taken seriously now. Um, but we start right now, just give one quick and then Shemaine tell some stories. But we start off right in chapter one with, um, you know, looking, uh, we call it a time machine. But, you know, what if you could go back kind of like you guys, your intro, which was great, by the way. Um, you know, what if you could go back and what if you could change one thing? What would that be? Where would you go? What point in time? You know, what one thing would you change? Would you have the authority, the tools, the ability? Um, who would you talk to? How would you do that? What would you do differently? And, and this book gives you a chance to really think about some of those things. Obviously, we can do that in any area of life. Right. But you but this is about cyber and, and cyber attacks and you know, it's just like in so many things I mentioned earlier about sports, but it's being prepared, being prepared for different scenarios, um, thinking through different scenarios with with the different parts of your business, practicing that. Um, 
and then you know really uh, you know looking hard at um, what you would do differently. Where would you go? What would you do? And and uh, she may maybe you can share the one story. We you know we have we, we start off right with, with a mm. great story um, um, about you know airports and 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 how some people still oh, don't yes, want to know. Yeah, they don't want to know. Go ahead, watch tell that story. Oh, Dan, I'll, I'll let you tell that story because you tell it really well. But um, I can add on to a different thing. So before I, um, I just wanted to add on quickly to what you were saying, right? Because um, the book, right, doesn't just focus on, you know, the attacks. Because there's a lot of focus on, on you see in the news, the headlines, right, about cyber attacks, how the attackers got in. But, I'll, uh, you know, an equally important question is what do you do after all of the mayhem and the dust settles, right? So yeah. we also cover, like, how do you overcome best practice apathy? How do you craft your crisis communication um, there's also stories of what worked and what didn't work um, and also how do you tailor your communication with the different stakeholders so maybe what I can share here um, is a quick story about you know there is a lesson um, you know um, that we can always learn right no matter which industry you come from so case in point you will find that there is a feature story with the former CISO of NASA JPL uh, Preston Miller so he was featured in a book to illustrate the different language that you use to communicate, you know, risk to the business. So, for example, if you look at NASA, they spend like more than half a billion dollars on their space exploration efforts. And, and for them, it's really important to restore critical operations in a timely fashion, right? But out of the triad, the CIA, confidentiality, integrity and availability, integrity for them is actually at the top of their list. Because it's not so much about them trying to keep the data that they're sharing safe, but are they able to trust the data that they're sharing back and forth between their communities? And can they trust the data that they're sending back and forth to their spacecraft and operations? So it really goes to show, you know, for business leaders, um, you know, it's important about how you understand the business defined risk and then you communicate that in a relevant manner because, um, for Preston, right, back, if you compare to his past role at the Pentagon, um, it was a very different focus because for them, it was more of confidentiality, um, that they have to make sure the information is um, confidential uh, as compared to NASA's focus where it will be more heavily um, emphasized on integrity. And then, you know, understanding that difference would actually help you shape your strategy and how you execute that with your business leaders um, accordingly. So uh, maybe Dan, if you want to dive deeper into a, a different part of the story, more about the airports uh, and the blueprints, because that's a really good one. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, actually, it's, it, it was a story that um, Shemaine first uncovered when she was doing a, an event um, in, 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 in Australia. But um, one of the things we talk about in chapter one is, is really how some people still, and, and I, believe me, I still see this in government and the private sector and a lot of the clients I work with, it's like they don't want to know, they, they think they're okay, they, they don't necessarily want to do a deep dive because then they, they're worried about, hey, if I don't know about it, you know, it kind of, if, it, if I don't know about it, it can't hurt me, which obviously is not true, um, but they kind of think that way. But um, in this one, one story, um, from Todd Carroll, a former 20-year uh, FBI cyber intelligence leader, um, they did um, a case with Cyber Angel. They did a search monitoring on keywords related to airport security. And in that, they detected nearly 10,000 servers that were publicly available in which over 400 blueprints of airports worldwide were identified, sitting on unprotected third-party connected devices 
and misconfigured cloud storage. Some of these blueprints were extremely detailed, um, including the location and angle of security cameras, um, revealing which were motion activated or had facial recognition, uh, facial recognition capabilities, even precise information on how to access and take control of the cameras. In addition, there were blueprints containing the location of the defense, detention rooms that were hidden from the public, runways and the position of fuel lines from tanks leading to the runway where fuel was pumped into the wings of the aircraft. Um, there were blank signed templates of security application forms if compromised would have allowed access into the airport facilities. There were also completed security badge application forms with official stamps and signatures, over 300 files describing safety procedures and policies. Those procedures include instructions on how to bypass the entire security system and how to deactivate it. There are identity details of air marshals, departure and arrival dates, as well as lists of weapons they allowed to, uh, to carry on the plane, such as intricate information. All that could have been used for a terrorist attack. But the fright most frightening part of this all, guys, was um, the data was found on third-party servers in numerous different countries, including the U.S., France, mm -hmm. the U.K., India, Spain, and others. Thankfully, it was fortunate that these were found as part of a risk assessment before they were used. They were found in time, and the FBI and Interpol worked on closing these open servers and these vulnerabilities um, prior to them being, you know, uh, used uh, against those organizations and those companies and, and airports. So that's just one one story um, and, and how they did that and, and more details around that. But I mean, it's pretty scary stuff. <laughs> you know, we, we always we talk about we read these stories about, you know, open cloud cloud um, misconfigured cloud storage and just lots of different things. And, and um, so we talk about that. We talk about, you know, what really happened to different people. Um, but also good stories. It's not all. It's not all negative. Like as 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 Shemaine mm -hmm. mentioned, a number of the stories do talk mm. about how things were prevented. You know, using using um, uh, you know tabletop exercises. How people prepared. Yes. How they went about that. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some of that, Shemaine, because because mm. I think it, it's easy to to read the news, hear the news, whatever, and and immediately go to okay, well, how do I how do I segment my network differently or uh, implement multi-factor authentication or, or uh, configure my IDS and firewall uh, to address this risk? It, it often, especially when security leaders get involved, is what are the technical controls should I have put in place or can I put in place so I don't become one of them? But you talk in, in, in the description of the book about leadership and culture, and you just mentioned tabletop exercises. How do how do you mm. use the book to help tell stories in a way that that get business leaders to work with cyber leaders to do something different beyond just the technical controls? Yes, uh, I love your questions, John. Um, you get people really thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Even myself, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying, so it's sounds good. <laughs> he asks you because he doesn't know the answer. I don't so. know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's it's really good because it's about you know um, as Dan also mentioned right, it's not just about um, bringing ex learning uh, examples right from from bad mistakes that have been made and and all this crisis right, but it's really about also looking at what 
companies have done positively, um, preparing the companies in advance. I, I like a really good story that was um, featured in the book by Yuval Ilus. So he's actually the group CISO and COO um, of Trust Data and Resilience at Standard Chartered Bank. So um, it's a global bank headquartered in the UK, but he's based in Singapore. And he currently leads about more than 2,000 of our employees globally across cybersecurity, business continuity, and operational resilience. So what he shared was uh, something that I thought was really helpful for businesses to model after. Because on top of you know, the continuous exercise that he implemented within the bank, um, he actually implemented something in addition called the near-miss exercise. So what a near-miss exercise is, is... What he does is you actually run those exercises based on recent incidents. And even though the bank themselves were not affected, they will actually model and role play as if they were affected. Um, you know, whether, for example, um, uh, yeah, recent um, incidents uh, like colonial pipelines, then they will take it and tailor it to a bank format and see how is that going to affect them. And what happened is that this really significantly helped them identify a lot of areas of improvements to help them be, be better prepared for the next attack. And these areas of improvement might relate to a missing action in their playbooks, or maybe a weak control coverage, uh, or a broken process, or maybe a missing or not up-to-date policy, and so on and so forth. So it's really a great opportunity where you see an organization taking a proactive action where they want to uplift the resilience of the organization. And when they combine these near-miss exercises with their continuous crisis management simulations, uh, they found that it really helped them to be cyber-ready as an organization. And one key thing that Yuval highlighted is, you know, we need to recognize that disruption is, is continuous, right? It's not going to be just based on an episode. And when you recognize that and you change your mindset, um, business leaders will be able to shift their response from being reactive to being able to make the first move. And then the importance of sharing, right? Because when you write a book like this, you put sharing together... Is caring, sharing is caring. I, I agree with that. If we all learn by from other people's mistakes, in order to do that, we need to be more open. We need to understand that we are all on the same side and because the bad guys, they share, right? I mean, if, if somebody would have found those blueprint, I'm pretty sure, you know, probably for money, but they, they will share it pretty sure. Mm. So when you do put together a book like this, I feel like, uh, you know, maybe did you, did you sense the fact that the community can come together in a stronger way with more sharing of the experience and, and getting ready together? Yeah, great question, Marco. Thank you for that. Um, I think the answer is absolutely yes. And, and you know, she made a nice sense, you know, when we talked a lot about what, what we wanted to write about and, and collaborate on together and and um, we had a lot of a lot of synergy. It was great working with Shemaine. I feel like mm. we really really connected well. And yes. I, I think the, the reality you. is that you know there are a lot of checklists out there. You can go to NIST. You can go to the cybersecurity framework. There are there are guides in almost every country. Not every, but a lot of the you know a lot of countries have checklists and tips and 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 so we referenced a lot of that. So we have a lot of those references. We point people to free resources throughout the book that people can use as best practices. What we thought was the real glue that was missing, and we didn't really see this in any other book, and we really think 
we hope, we believe we did bring it together in Cyber May Day and the day after is, you know, the stories, you know, with the tips, the best practices, um, the, the ways you can actually do that and, and, and um, come together as a team, you know, the tips around teams, um, you know, really, and I'll just give you one other example from, from chapter 11. The, the title of chapter 11 is Tur Turning Cyber Incident Lemons into Organizational Lemonade. So, so the idea is, you know, you're going to have these incidents, you know, what are you going to learn from it? How can you take that and roll that back into your plan? As, as Shemaine mentioned, your playbooks, um, how can you, um, you know, actually improve? And, and so, you know, we go through lots of examples of like, okay, 10 excuses why best practices are not implemented. And these are from different examples we've heard, you know, from the front lines of people actually have said that these are things that, you know, like I didn't have the time to do it or we could not afford it. Our company is different than everybody else. The vendor told us that was not necessary. We didn't trust our system vendors. We didn't understand why it was necessary. It was just too hard. And then, you know, what are some fact-finding questions in each of those, you know, kind of digging deeper? You know, we've all heard the kind of thing, you know, ask why five times, right? Or, you know, how do you dig deeper into those questions? And then some tips to help. So what are some practical tips that you can think about? And as you look at your plan now, as you look at your strategies, as you think about your exercises, um, as you think about, you know, fully restoring um, from, you know, a, a, a major incident, um, you know, what are some practical things you can do that to strengthen your teamwork and to learn from others? Because if we're not, as, as Shemaine just mentioned, if we're not learning from others in the industry, in our own, you know, industries, but across, really across all the industries, because we're so reliant on each other in the global um, supply chain, um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to improve. So totally agree, Marco. And that's really one of our goals of the book is really to build that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to, Marco's going to love this because he knows I love food. So I'm going to, I'm going to latch on to the lemonade thing. <laughs> and I'm going to say that you can't make, well, maybe you can, but can't make good lemonade without lemons. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you have to share the lemons with each other. Right. So this is where for me, the, the community has to come, come in. And, and I love the fact that you were able to, uh, to get in, in front of and in touch with so many different folks from all over the world to, extract those lemons from them and uh, put, them, put them in this book so others can at least understand the recipe for making lemonade. Sorry, I just wanted to add to what you were saying because it is true that we wouldn't have been able to done, do that without um, the rest of the leaders being believing in the same purpose where you know what we see is that all of these industry leaders, they recognize the need for community, um, for, for like we're all in the same ecosystem. We have to build this ecosystem together. Uh, and Marco, I, I think Marco, it was Marco who mentioned this earlier, right? The bad guys are sharing amongst themselves. So all the more there is that need for all the industry leaders to be sharing knowledge and their approach, you know, best approaches and also how they are going about to fight this war, right? And, and when we do that, we're actually uplifting the entire ecosystem together. So I would say like, yeah, all of them, uh, they really believe in, in this cause. They believe in the, they have this purpose, the same purpose where we really want to give back to the community. Um, and that's why the book was really successful because uh, people are willing to share. Yeah. So we hope that people are interested to learn more about this. And uh, then uh, we, we know it's already available 
in certain country, I believe in the United States is is already there, and, and some other places is coming up and uh, other languages soon, and other languages. So you know, because that's yeah. Important. The plan is to is to have it in twelve languages and and make it a global book. So we're real excited about that, and and um, yeah, it is available on Amazon.com in the U.S. and really any major bookstores. I'm mean, not an Amazon message here, but you know Barnes and Noble and and all the pretty much anywhere books are sold, you can get it online. Uh, it was published by Wiley, which is a pretty well-known book publisher. So you can go to Wiley.com and see it. Again, the, the name is Cyber May Day and the day after. The second part, maybe we didn't make that real clear earlier, but a leader's guide to preparing, managing, and recovering from inevitable business disruptions. So um, that's really the, the heart of, of what we're talking about. And, and it's pretty much available um, and it's in lots of different formats as well, you know, um, and we're just real excited that uh, you know, we're starting to get, you know, getting the word out now. And we appreciate you guys having us to talk about that. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And, and, and we often get, uh, we get stuck on the title and forget to go to the subtitle. Kind of, I, I love the five whys you mentioned, Dan. Right? We, we just covered the second one. Everybody should read the book and ask three more whys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that, uh, I, I think... Definitely opportunity for, for everybody in business and, and our, our uh, cyber leaders that uh, we, we share time with at conferences and whatnot. Chance to learn here. And I uh, appreciate you, Shemaine and Dan, for putting this book together, sharing uh, a bit of it with us today. Hopefully, folks read it and uh, pull a few nuggets out so they can enjoy some money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. Thanks, Sean and Marco. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.NET. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.